0: But yeah when a relationship ends that doesn't mean it's a failure i think when something is maybe a, a failure is when it doesn't go it is when a bomb goes off and it you know is destructive but i think something just ending and not working i mean people change people grow
2: Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Enjoy!
1: Welcome to episode nine of Focus Fridays. We're Finn and Emma, and if you're new to the show and haven't listened before, this is not our normal format. Typically, we interview people and have them share their stories of exploring and navigating non-monogamy. And this is not that. This is different. We're specifically looking at a topic today and focusing on that, hence Focus Fridays. So we have ten of these episodes. This is episode nine.
2: And if you're looking to find the other nine episodes besides this one they are either already available which obviously if you're on 9 the first eight are available and I'm rambling I'm getting the look and <laughs> but you can go find the 10th one and all 10 of them can be downloaded all in one fell swoop on our website normalizingnonmonogamy.com click on the courses tab and there's a link there that will take you to where you can download them for free Or if you would like, you can leave us a donation slash contribution to help support the show. And if you do, we appreciate it. And we are very grateful. But again, not required to download all 10 of them.
1: Very true. Thank you in advance. So
2: thank you. Emma.
1: (laughs) This week. We're talking with Libby. She is a relationship coach and educator, and she was actually on our show on episode 98. So go check that out as well. She additionally has her own podcast called Making Polyamory Work. So also go check that out. And the other thing I wanted to quickly mention is the overall point of this whole discussion we have with her is to be kind and considerate. And it's a great discussion with a lot of tips and tricks. So stay tuned.
2: Well, but do they need to listen now if you just told them the whole point?
1: Yeah, because there's lots of tips and tricks, Uh, and it's a really good discussion.
2: That was pretty funny, huh?
1: Yeah, you're so funny. Okay, (laughs) we also mentioned a peaceful relationship transitions playbook, and this is available on our website in the show notes to download at our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. And with that, let's go talk to Libby.
2: Welcome back, Libby, to the show. Uh, Thank you for for joining us again to talk about how to break up with people.
1: Yeah, Um, we're excited to have you back (laughs) again.
2: And so I guess maybe for anybody who's not familiar with you, either from your podcast or your previous appearance on this show, do you mind just a quick background on who you are and then maybe why you created this content?
0: So my name's uh, Libby Sinbeck. I'm a relationship coach and educator. I'm a mom of two and a partner to three and I'm queer. And I have this podcast called Making Polyamory Work. It's a little different from y'all's podcast in the sense that it's all shorter episodes and I'm just talking, offering some sort of tips or insights or ideas on how to make relationships work, how to make polyamory work. And those podcasts come out twice a week on Tuesday and Thursday.
1: That's awesome that's ambitious by the way <laughs> yeah
2: very cool and and we don't we don't feel any competition so
0: <laughs> they're short and pretty simple um so I made this content around breakups this was actually the first workshop that I ever developed, and the reason I created it was because I was having a lot of people in my shared community breaking up and was noticing that it was just sort of rippling through all of our mutual friends and sort of causing people to take sides and causing a lot of pain for everybody and a lot of stress and processing and stuff. And I just really asked myself, and then I started asking a bunch of other people, could we be doing this better so that it didn't cause quite so much angst and pain, not just to the two people involved, uh, although that for sure that, but also so that it didn't you know, cause a tight knit community of people to continually like explode over and over again. So it was a really like a selfish creation in the sense that I was just sort of sad that to just see my friends and other people that I knew just sort of going through these very painful things and wanting something better. So I actually, I started out by just asking a lot of other people, like, about their breakup ideas and tips and thoughts. And, you know, I had some of my own and then, uh, cobbled together and then did some reading and other things. And I cobbled together this, uh, sort of like breakup best practices. And I have also used this myself. I've given it to other people like friends and who have been thinking about breaking up or have been going through a breakup and are looking for support. And I've shared the, the body of my, Knowledge and experience, and people have found it immensely helpful. So I created a workbook out of it.
1: Awesome! That's awesome!
2: And yeah. Oh, go ahead.
1: I say, and to be clear, this is about. I guess we're kind of specifically talking about breaking up in a relationship, right? but that could also. It doesn't necessarily have to be a romantic relationship, right? Could you use this on like a coworker or a friendship where you needed that to end as well?
0: Yeah, I mean, some of the things here are sort of specific to established relationships that are acknowledged by other people. And some of it is stuff that you can use. Yeah. With any kind of relationship transition. And I think the thing that, that I have found to be very true is that when a relationship, any relationship goes through a fundamental shift in how the two people in it are relating to one another, the relationship they had is actually sort of functionally over And there's something new now that you have to sort of acknowledge. So, you know, some of the things that I recommend in the breakup sort of playbook, I've written this thing called a peaceful relationship transitions playbook. And some of those things wouldn't apply to like smaller transitions. But I think even when you're going from being a monogamous couple to being a non-monogamous couple. Your monogamous relationship's over, your non-monogamous relationship has begun, and that's a big transition. Oh yeah. That I think can it can be useful to think about this part of our relationship is ending and this part of our relationship is beginning. In long term relationships, I think people go through multiple iterations with the same person, multiple relationships with the same person. And so I think I think there's something in here for people who even aren't thinking about breaking up at all, like as in terms of like ending a relationship and um, and separating from that person completely. However, I will say that when I when I wrote this, my audience was primarily people who are in romantic relationships who are ending the romantic relationship and they aren't sure if they even want a friendship moving forward or not. Right. You know, so it's a major sort of severing. But I, but I, you know, like I said, I think there's stuff in here for people who aren't severing a relationship, but are just changing the terms of it. Cause I think that happens a lot in polyamory too, right? Like a lot of relationships can go from, you know, intense and sexual to maybe not sexual and we're seeing each other once a week, but we still love each other and we're still intimate and we might make out, but we aren't having sex anymore. And we're just hanging out like once a week and that can be like, or maybe even like less than once a week, like maybe once a month or whatever, you know, and that can be a big, People call that downgrading and I sort of like don't like that term because I I just think that's so yeah. hierarchicalizing sexual relationships and hierarchicalizing quantity of time over quality of time and you know I don't I just don't see relationships that way but you know you could describe it as downgrading. Right. But that's still a major end of one kind of relationship to a new kind of relationship and you do need to acknowledge the change yeah. and grieve it and grieve the old relationship, embrace the new relationship and maybe have a break in between, which is one of the things I recommend.
2: Yeah. Well on that, maybe let's jump into it. And what's, I don't know if it's step by step, but what's, what's, how do we get started if we're, if we're trying to break up? Not that we are. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, again, I, I think that it's important to think about, you know, that there are lots of different ways in which you can break up with somebody. And it's important to think about, you know what are the things that are sucky about that, right? Like, what are some things for you guys that are that just like you look at breakups and you go, "Man, those suck." I don't really want to engage in one of those. Like, what sucks about them for you?
2: Uh, it's awkward. You're, you don't <laughs> wanna, you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. You don't want to be lonely yourself. You're afraid you're going to be yeah lonely, ostracized, left behind.
1: Yeah, I think sad. I mean, that's a normal emotion, right? I think when something shifts, you might feel sad about it, but. It's sometimes scary to be feel vulnerable in those instances as well.
0: Yeah. What about like when someone breaks up with you though? Like
1: Yeah, you might be angry.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You feel like you're not good like there was something wrong with you. There was you did yeah. something wrong or you're not good enough, or yeah. There's somebody better than you.
0: you feel rejected.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good term.
0: One of the worst things about breaking up. Uh, for a lot of people, at least, is being blindsided by it. And I think, like, one of the things that people sort of do with breakups, which I just don't understand, is they tend to do them sort of impulsively. You know, like you have, you start this conversation and you're not intending to break up, but then you sort of reach this impasse maybe in the conversation or you reach this point of contention that you don't feel like you can get past. And then like, maybe just all of a sudden you're like, okay, now I guess we're going to break up. And then once you've said it out loud and you both agree that it's happening, it's sort of like, you think that you're kind of done there in terms of processing it and discussing it with them. I think that's the, that's the idea. Or conversely, maybe if you are in a relationship and you are thinking about breaking up with somebody, you sort of think, well, once you've figured out that it's Definitely needs to happen. Then you need to like tell the person as soon as possible and like let them know, and then quickly move on. Right? I think there's this idea that that that's how it needs to happen. I, I think that when you do that, when you sort of say, okay, well now we figured it out, let's just do it. Um, now I figured out that I'm done with this person or that this relationship isn't working for me, so now I have to end it. And then you just go ahead and end it. I think that contributes to those some of those feelings that you're talking about like because it's such a shock or or it feels like you don't get to have any time to like unravel it together like I think it's sort of like the difference between picking apart a seam of two things that are sewn together versus just ripping it apart
1: yeah well because you don't want to be too abrupt with it like that's like you said it's shocking yeah
0: Well, and I think like that leads people to get super triggered and emotionally overwhelmed and more likely to engage in some of these behaviors that can make breakups really suck. Because you do get angry, you do get, or you do get sad, or you do get scared, or you grieve. Or when you, when you're in that overwhelmed place and suddenly you see somebody that you love as like more the enemy or this person who's hurt you, then, you know, you might feel inclined to gang up on them with your other friends and like get them to take your side. You might be inclined to, if you're in a marriage and you have kids, you might be inclined to sort of retaliate by going and getting a lawyer and, uh, starting having a custody battle and like all, you know, like it's, it's sort of like you have battle lines that get drawn when all of that, when all of that intense emotion is flaring and nobody's taking care of each other anymore because, Oh, no, that's not my job anymore. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But that really stinks because not only is it bad for the couple in question but then it, again it's sort of like that it's like a bomb going off and then shrapnel just goes everywhere and it it hits everybody and you know i've just i've just seen it too many times and it's just heartbreaking and i get those feelings those feelings of loss and feeling tossed aside feeling that somebody suddenly doesn't care about you anymore when they promised that they would you know i can i just get why that stinks, but you know, what I would want to do is think about, okay, how can we dismantle this instead of blowing it up? So a lot of, a lot of what I'm going to go into now is sort of, if you're the person who knows I need to end this, like if, and, cause it's often unilateral, sometimes it's collaborative. And I think when two people are mutually deciding to break up, they are more inclined to collaborate on how to move forward on it. But a lot of times it is sort of one person saying this isn't working for me anymore. And so I think a lot of what I'm saying here is going to target that person. And so, I mean, one thing that you might want to do when you're breaking up with somebody is you might want to try to preserve something with them. You know, you might want to preserve a friendship. You might want to at least preserve goodwill. You might want to preserve your ability to share mutual friends, the ability to share community. If you both have a shared partner, like that could be another problem. I mean, I mean, there's all kinds of situations in which you have to be really careful. Like I've seen people who are dating each other and also dating the same person. So it's like kind of like a triad. And then one point of the triad breaks up.
1: That can, yeah, be a mess.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. Then you're really sticking someone in the middle there of two people who are really unhappy with each other. Right. Right. And the, you know, the reason for this is, you know, not just to make it a little easier on you so that you don't feel as destroyed by it, but so that you don't destroy everybody else in the process. The way to think about it is that this is a, that, that whatever relationship you have is this structure that you've built together. You've, you've built like a house basically. And you know, you've, you have discovered in that, that you're living in this house and it's not working for you anymore. You both can't live there anymore. Maybe one of you is perfectly happy there. The other one just, it's not fitting. You know, you, you can't find things, you know, whatever it may be like the house isn't working anymore. So then you have to decide, okay, well, do I want to put a bomb in it and blow it up? I wouldn't encourage you to do that. Instead, what I encourage you to do is move out of the house and then, you know, you you then you can tear it down and maybe you can do that together in a way that's loving. I mean, I guess I've kind of gone through this already. One of my questions in this workshop is, you know, what are some things that uh, have happened in the aftermath of a breakup that suck? And I've talked a little bit about some of those, but have you guys seen anything in your experience that has just been really awful about breakups?
2: Yeah, I think some of the ones you touched on, right, like losing friends uh, all the, the collateral damage, right? The, yeah. the yeah. friends and, you know, maybe you share an activity together and one of you doesn't go to that activity anymore, right? Because right. it would be too weird to see them there or yeah, you are on a sports team together and now one of you has to quit the sports team yeah. or whatever it is, right? So that kind of stuff for yeah. sure.
0: So, I mean, I think like we're clear on the costs of having a shitty breakup. Like we're clear on right. it. Right. it, it
1: and- well, yeah, we didn't even mention children, but that would be a whole other ball ballgame too. Yeah. Then you're, I guess, dragging other little people into everything as well.
0: Yeah, people who you know don't have as don't have agency in society, right? right? And they don't have the ability to consent or not consent to this situation that has a huge impact on them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and, I mean to be clear, I'm not a lawyer, or and and so that's not you know don't take any of this as legal advice. And and I encourage you if you do have children and you're going to engage in a divorce, please get legal support but you know be careful about who you pick if you really want to do something collaborative instead of something that's adversarial Then find a lawyer who's on board with that because some lawyers aren't, right? Some lawyers are very much like, you got to protect yourself because I've seen shit go down and I don't want you to be on the losing end of shit going down. So I'm going to get you everything you can or whatever. And again, if you don't want to go that route, then you got to find someone who knows how to do that. There are collaborative divorce lawyers out there. There are people who are trained in conscious uncoupling, look into that kind of stuff so, but but again, this is more like this is not the legal aspect of breaking up. Yeah, yeah. This is just the logistical aspect of it, and and some of it's a mental game, right? So,
2: I'm curious on something if, if you don't mind me asking. Like, so yeah. I maybe what people are hearing is rather than just breaking up with somebody, it almost sounds like you want to drag it out. And I don't know that mm-hmm. maybe that's is that what you're trying to get at, or are we? Because I I know a lot of people are like, oh, you know, don't drag it out, don't drag it out. You're just making it worse. You're making it worse. Just just break up and be done with it. So,
1: yeah, but maybe it's like slowing it down slightly so that it can be a healthier breakup. Maybe like to be healthier, so it's not abrupt and this big bomb going off. It being a little bit slower and th- would be better,
2: right? And I guess I'm wondering how how do you do that without it dragging it out and making it super painful? Yeah, versus just blowing it up. Like how do you strike that medium ground?
0: That's a really good question. My advice isn't to drag it out. Cause I I agree. In fact, there's some stuff in here where I say specifically don't drag it out, but there's a difference between dragging it out and slowing down. And I think Emma, you've got it. You've got it nailed. It's, it's, I want people to slow down and think through, imagine this is, and this is something I encourage people to do in general, when they're engaging in a difficult conversation, imagine you're approaching a very difficult conversation with someone you love, you prepare you know, and I think spending a little time thinking about what you want to say and what you want them to think and what you want them to know so that you are able to, cause you really are going to have probably one shot at a good conversation about breaking up. And the person is, you know, if you're, if you're the person, again, who knows you're going to break breaking up with somebody, you know, it, it, it is going to be potentially emotional for them to receive that. Right. And you want to make space for that and sort of be prepared for that and do the best that you can to give them things in that moment. Like you have an opportunity to prepare. You have an opportunity to think ahead. You you have an opportunity to be generous with somebody.
2: So my question then would be, could you give some examples of ways that what you've done in this situation, right? So things that you've offered, ways that you've approached this to slow it down and to be generous without again, then you don't want to give people hope or false hope that like they could, they could salvage this and maybe we're not done because they're still willing to, you know, meet me every other weekend for brunch or something to that effect. I, again, I don't know exactly what that looks like.
0: Well, so I think there's so much depends on context. So I can give you two examples. One example was a situation where I knew that I needed to break up with somebody. We hadn't been dating that long, but we were crazy in love with each other. And and in, i initiated that conversation i knew that that was my job to initiate that conversation because i knew that it was me who wanted to end things and needed to needed to end things and so i really created a lot of space for us to really honor the relationship in that conversation and i mean he, he knew that the that that the conversation was coming it wasn't a surprise or a shock i don't think that it was what he wanted but we you know, we had the conversation and so I went, through, I went through some of the things that, I, that are sort of like my steps, which are in the peaceful relationship transition playbook in terms of how to manage that. But I, I guess one of the things that I really encourage people to do as sort of a preventative for having these shocking, intense, awful, shitty breakups is actually to proactively periodically take looks at your relationships and see what are the things that could potentially be a problem down the road? What are some things that are not working for you right now? Like what are some aspects of the relationship that you can see might get in the way of it being something that can continue in an ongoing way and talk about them and sort of have them on your radar and so that, I mean, I had a friend who I talked to about this topic and uh, a lot of the, a lot of the ideas that I have actually come from her, not all of them, but a few, a few of the really good nuggets. And then one of the good nuggets that she gave me was this one. And I'm not going to name her cause I don't have her consent to name her, but I just want to say that like, this is a borrowed idea, which is, she said that she never breaks up with anybody. And what the way that, what she means by that is she just kind of smoothly, you know, ongoing is renegotiating the relationship all the time. And I think that was an interesting, it was a really interesting perspective that she brought into that where she's like, if I see something that isn't working, I'm not going to just like wait and wait and wait and sit on it and let it build until it becomes unbearable and then break up. Instead, I'm going to discuss it when it comes up and say, Hey, this, this isn't working for me. Can we make an adjustment here? You know, if, if there needs to be an adjustment to how you relate or how many times you see each other or whatever you've committed to, you know, she just continually adjusts. And I think that was a really wise perspective in terms of like being able to be on top of a relationship. And I would say that I've done that. One of my relationships sort of hit a rocky point a while ago. And I was worried that if I was really pushed to figure it all out with them, that we would break up. But instead I said, I don't know where we are right now. I don't want to end things, but I need to pause. And we. I need to just sort of let us be where we are and I need some time to think. And so we kind of just took some space, then periodically would just check in and have conversations and see where we were and see and and kind of pick apart some of the issues that had kind of come up between us when they weren't so inflamed. And that was, that really enabled us to actually continue our relationship and renegotiate it and recalibrate it. And we've done a lot of recalibrating and it's an ongoing recalibration with us. That's been really valuable because again, we slowed down. It was a slowing down. It was a, let's see what's really going on here instead of a, Oh my God, Oh my God, this is so terrible. If I have to decide between yes or no, then the answer is no. Uh, cause you know, we just can't figure it out. You know, the, but that's, again, that was a collaboration, you know, both of us were on board with slowing down and I could see one person being like, no, I need to know now, are you in or are you out? And let's move on. If you're out, I have like sort of a list of tips Yeah, let's see. If that might be useful. Yeah, I have a a list of tips for if you're sort of on the receiving end of one of these conversations about uh, one of these breakup conversations. Like, again, I think you get one shot at having a good breakup conversation because if you do it badly, then the person's not feeling like there's enough investment to sort of work on it after that because you're ending things. Right. So I think you get one shot to like make it good. (laughs) Um, But unless
2: you screw it up so bad, you get back together and then you get to do it again later anyway.
0: Yeah. Oh, aren't those fun though? Those on again, (laughs) off again relationships that just are an ongoing series of bomb explosions. (laughs) Um, That's fun. Really? No, it's not.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So tip number one.
0: (laughs) If you're being, so this is a list of things on, if you're on the being broken up with end of things. And this is really hard. So I want to acknowledge it's really hard. But when someone is willing to tell you how they feel and where they are, it's worth it to thank them for being honest, you know, for telling you, for saying, Hey, I, I'm really glad you're telling me where you are on things. And I'm really glad you're willing to have this conversation with me instead of like ghosting on me or just checking out of the relationship, but letting it drag on. Cause I do think it takes a tremendous amount of courage to be the one to step up and say, this isn't working. Right.
1: Yeah. For sure,
0: and I mean, how many times have we seen the the other thing where these folks are functionally broken up, but nobody has the guts to say it, and so they're both torturing torturing each other, or they're both checked out, or one of them's checked out, and the other one is in a mess of anxiety and misery, and but nobody's called it yet, you know. So the person and
1: all all the people from the outside look at it and be like, "Why are these people still together? They're miserable."
0: Right, right, right. So if you're the person who gets to hear someone be brave and bold and willing to step up and say, Hey, this isn't working and we need to end this. And I'm going to tell you my feelings because it's scary. And so if you can in any way say, thank you for bringing this up. Thank you for being willing to talk this through with me. I mean, it's of course it hurts, but it's so much better to know and move on. You know, it's horrible. I think when to your point, uh, Finn, about like the the dragging it out, What drags it out sometimes is that uncertainty, that lack of clarity. And when someone's willing to bring some clarity and clearness to a relationship, even if the clarity is its ending, that at least gives you a point where you can move on. you know, and, and instead of being in this state of anxiety and uncertainty. So if you can thank them, that's good. Uh, the second thing that I really recommend is believe their words more than their actions. So, and again, this is for your protection, because if you are um, in love with somebody and then they are breaking up with you and they say that's what they want, but then they send all these weird mixed signals, you, you have to sort of filter the filter out that noise and just focus on, they said they want to break up. That is what we are. And so I'm going to act accordingly again. So, I mean, if you are going to get back together, if that's something that you want, sometimes you still have to just completely demolish things first again, to go with the analogy of a house, if the house is falling down and you've decided you're going to move out, maybe you will build another house together someday. But the one that you had, if you just try to fix that one up, you've already been trying to do that. It's not working. You got to tear it down and just let it be torn down. And then if you want to build something new, you can pull out a blueprint, pull out some materials and start making something new together. And I have done that too. And I think, It's great when you can do that, but you have to destroy the thing that's broken first. If you're, you know, so that's, that's my tip there is just, if if you just move on when someone says it's time to move on, even if they're not consistent about it. And so then the other, the other third piece of advice that I have is don't press too hard for details around why beyond what the person's willing to tell you. And that is again, just for your own protection whatever the person is telling you they if they're following my instructions then they will have thought it through and they will have thought through what's the compassionate information that you need to have so that you can move on and all the random shit that's in their head that you don't need to know you don't need to know because you're you, you don't want that person in your head criticizing you you don't want that that stuff in your head swirling around you don't want to say well but i could fix that you know you have to accept what they're saying and not fight it And the, the more you seek out information from them, the more it's just going to give you something to torture yourself with. So I just encourage you to trust them.
1: Right. Well, and by doing just by, it sounds like by doing those things, these tips that you're, you're saying may be very, very difficult, but you're also creating that safe space for that person that's breaking up with you. You're creating a safe space for them to tell you that. And then your response will may not be what you want to hear, you're still you're, I guess, acknowledging that you're hearing them. And I think that goes a long way. That's where I was trying to go with that. Yeah.
0: And that's a good point. I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of always reflecting, active listening, reflecting back what you're hearing. That's a practice that I encourage everybody to to engage in, especially in difficult conversations. And a breakup conversation is just a really fucking difficult conversation. So the more you can give, yeah, give the other person space to talk is good. So that goes to my my next tip, actually, um, in terms of like not fighting fighting with them. Don't argue with them when someone's breaking up with you. You know, you don't have to accept what they're saying about you is as true because they might be wrong. You know, they they might be making up stories about you in their head that aren't true. They might have criticisms of you that aren't fair. But you have to. I, I mean, a breakup is ultimately setting a boundary, right? You're ultimately saying I'm I'm not going to continue this relationship, and boundaries are unilateral. So you don't argue someone out of, you don't try to argue with someone out of being in a relationship with you. If they don't want to, then they don't want to and they don't have to and their reasons don't matter anymore. And it can feel unfair and you get to, and you do get to feel that. You get to feel that it feels unfair, but ultimately arguing with them is just going to make both of you miserable. (laughs) So I don't encourage that. But what I do encourage is taking that moment to ask for things that you need. Because if you are in a relationship with somebody who ultimately cares about you even if they're breaking up with you they they might still care about you and they might still want to be able to give you things that you might need to make that transition go well you know the person can always say no but it's some good it's some useful it's useful to ask for things if there are things that you might want so some things that i have asked for are You know, words affirming the relationship, you know, acknowledging that it was important to them, even if it's over setting boundaries around contact. One of the things that I, one of my top recommendations when you're breaking up with somebody, and again, context matters here because it's not always possible or workable, but I would say in most cases, it's good to have a solid month of no contact. I would encourage the person who's breaking up to ask for that, especially the, sorry, the person who's being broken up with to ask for that. Don't contact me for a month and I'm not going to respond to you for a month. You can ask them to do things for you. Uh, One of my partners, when they were going through a breakup, asked the person who breaking up with them to tell all their mutual friends. They didn't want that work of having to deliver that news. And so they asked them to be the person to deliver that news. And I thought that was like kind of a cool thing of like, you're doing this to me. I'm really broken up about it. I don't want to have to talk about it to everybody and keep talking about it to everybody. Will you be the one to share that information? I have something else that that's sort of cool in my playbook about sharing information with your community or your mutual friends about when you break up. You might have seen this before. If you've seen people do this because multiple people do this where they actually kind of write a message together that they've both agreed what is the message. And then they share it on their like Facebook profile or their FetLife profile or whatever, letting everyone know in their networks, we're breaking up. Here's what we want you to know. And here's where we are on it. And then so that kind of takes away the need to constantly have a conversation about it. And it also takes away that gossip mill stuff that can happen. And that side taking impulse that sometimes people have. Because it's coming from both of of you. Right, right. And, And everybody's agreed on what the story is. You can ask for a clarity on how to move forward. That's another thing. You can ask for your stuff back and be very specific on your arrangement of how you want to do that. And if the person that's breaking up with you hasn't read my Peaceful Relationship Transitions playbook and isn't following the playbook very well, you know, you can sort of guide the process and ask for some of the things that I have in the list of things that you should be doing if you're breaking up with somebody or that I encourage you to do. And then after you've kind of gone through that process in the aftermath, I encourage people who are broken up with to just be very consistent about not being in contact and be very consistent in their boundaries and and then take care of yourself, like really do a lot of self-care. There's some really good articles on how to go through breakups, but like the best ones that I've heard are, you know, when there's sort of a, an, an empty space in your life, figure out, like, I wouldn't go right away trying to fill it with a new relationship necessarily, although some people do that. But I would, I would say, you know, fill it with something, fill it with something that brings you joy, like an activity or exercise or extra sleep. I mean, I remember for me, when I went through a breakup, I I started going dancing more and that was really fulfilling for me, balancing for me, you know, and make a lot of space for whatever feelings come up. And I think this goes for both ends. When you break up with somebody, it's not like you don't grieve the end of the relationship too. I think grief is a thing that everybody feels when something ends and doesn't go the way they wanted it to, even if they're the one that ended. Like I definitely, I ended a huge relationship in my life and was grieving it for probably two years. (laughs) And the thing that the biggest mistake that I made, I think in that is that I was hard on myself for grieving. I was hard on myself for feeling sad about it. And I think when you have a lot of hope for something that, that you really wanted to go well, that you really enjoyed. You, if you're hard on yourself for grieving, it actually can prolong the grieving.
2: Right. Yeah. Give right. yourself permission to have those feelings and, and yeah. own and it. And give right? yourself
0: permission to not just grieve, but still be in love with the person. Mm-hmm. Captain Awkward talks uh, has a really great article on this called um "Like the Golden Retriever Inside Your Heart" or something like that. And it's just like, you know how golden retriever just loves everybody and just will, will come up to you and just be like, love me. I love you. You're great. Yeah. And I think that part of you just that is exploding with love for somebody, you know, for anybody. Like, I think we all are kind of creatures of love and we want to love everybody, I think on some level. And, but then it sometimes it just doesn't work, but there's, there's that still that part of you that feels that love. I've I've seen some really great things written about that but the one that I like the best is sort of don't just dwell on how much someone hurt you but then also celebrate how well you loved them. Celebrate how open your heart was. Celebrate how much joy you had in that person and even as they're not with you anymore you can still celebrate how much you love love them even now like you because like that's that's something no one can take away from you. Your ability to love and be open and care is something no one can take away from you.
1: And just because a relationship ended doesn't mean that it was bad. Right. Right. It just didn't work out like for the rest of your life. Yeah. Right. But that doesn't matter. Like as long as you still had a good relationship, you should honor that. And like yeah. you said, allow yourself to, you know, to have had those feelings and continue to have those feelings. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. I think, that's another thing uh, to your point, then you kind of just popped it in there. But yeah, when a relationship ends, that doesn't mean it's a failure. I think when something is maybe a, a failure is when it doesn't go, it is when a bomb goes off and it, you know, is destructive. But I think something just ending and not working. I mean, people change, people grow or you have high hopes for something and then it doesn't work the way you wanted it to. And I think sometimes things don't work just, for logistical purposes, it's not because anybody didn't love each other or, or that even if they, they did anything wrong, but just like the way your life is set up and the way my life is set up, we couldn't make the pieces fit. You had an architectural idea for this house that structurally wasn't going to work with my architectural idea. We tried it, and instead of it making this beautiful, creative structure that we could both live in, it caused the house to cave in and fall on itself. And, and that's okay. That was a useful experiment to try and you did your best and you gave a good go of it and it didn't work. Now you get to go and try something else.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Are there, are there tips? I mean, we kind of talked about some of the tips for receiving this information. Yeah. Were there, were there, Parallel tips for delivering the information or was that sort of wrapped in the beginning there that?
0: No. So I've got, like I said, I've got a whole playbook and I know that you'll link to it in the show notes, but I'll kind of go over some of the higher points. I'm not going to read the whole thing word for word, but so I would say the first thing you want to do when you know that you're going to want to have that conversation with somebody is spend some time getting real clear on what you want to say. So to the point earlier, when I said, if you're getting broken up with, don't like go hunting for more information to torture yourself with be mindful about what you want to say to this person, what you don't want to say to them about why, because some things they need to know, some things you need to know about why some things they might already know about why. And there are some things you might not need to tell them, right? If their breath is really just like, it's not that their breath smells bad, but it just, that wasn't the smell that you liked or whatever. Like you might not need to tell them that. <laughs> or if you really hated the way they sang karaoke and it was just a huge turnoff for you. That's not necessarily something you need to, to torture them with,
1: right? Right. Or if they have like a gap in gap in their teeth or something and you're like, that really bugs me, you don't need to tell them that. Or
0: yeah, or they suck their gum when they chew it. Or whatever it might be. Like annoying little habits. You don't need to like go through a detailed list of what's wrong with them that isn't kind. And the goal here is kindness, ultimately.
2: Right. Well, and, and some of those things may be things that other people find endearing or are a exactly. huge turn on. Maybe not some of those things you mentioned, but, <laughs> but, but there may be some things about you that are just inherent that you can't change that, you know, that somebody else is looking for that thing. And so to to point that out as a negative, when it's really more on the person who's ending the relationship, It's it's their inability to reconcile that. Not you're yeah. not because you have that trait.
0: Yeah. I mean, we all get to have preferences and things that don't work for us, but yeah, it doesn't, it's not, it's useful to stay humble about that.
1: <laughs> yep. Right.
0: I would. So the other thing to that point is leave space that leave space in the conversation for that. No one's wrong. So don't blame yourself and like self flagellate. And also don't blame the other person. You can just say what I said earlier, which is this just doesn't work it's just not working and it's not working for me. And that's not your fault, but, it, but don't do the, it's not you. It's me. And don't do the It's not me. It's you. You can just say, it's just not us. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, in, in any kind of difficult conversation, I really encourage people to get away from blame as a framework yeah, because I don't find it useful. I mean, the only situation where I find blame slightly useful is if a relationship is straight up abusive and this, to be clear, any of this advice that I'm giving in this conversation doesn't apply for when an, a relationship is abusive. If a relationship is abusive, one of the people in that relationship or both cannot engage in a conversation like this in good faith, because there's going to be one person who's trying to control things. Yeah, And so it's not safe to have a conversation like this. And if you're in an abusive relationship, I encourage you to get support, reach out to a domestic violence hotline. And I mean that even if it's emotional abuse, because you don't have, emotional abuse is still a form of violence. It's a big deal. And I would get some serious professional support on that. Don't, don't use my playbook <laughs> um, because it's not, it's not safe.
1: Yeah. Th- thank you for noting that. Right. Cause I think that's a key difference right. in talking about all of this that we've talked through and then abusive relationships yep. are a different ballgame. Yeah,
0: I always, I actually lead with that when I teach this workshop, I'm like, this doesn't apply in this case. You just need to get help and, fi- and get safe right? It's really important to get help and get things. But in the in this case, when we're talking about two people who are just not working, it doesn't have to be anybody's fault. Also, another piece of advice I have is don't center your need to be liked and to come out looking great in this conversation. You need to leave a lot of space for this person to be hurt, angry, resentful, wanting you to die in a fire, <laughs> because that's the, those are the kinds of feelings that might come up and you need to like be able to let that go and let that person feel whatever they're feeling because and if you don't, then you're going to do things. You're not going to be able to hold to your own boundaries in the breakup. If you're centering your need to be liked.
2: Yeah. And you're also going to be putting a lot of blame on them, right? Be, being like, Oh, it's not my fault that you do this. It's, you know, don't be mad at right. me. Don't right, be right, mad right. at me. Exactly. Right. And that, yeah. that comes up really easy.
0: And then the the other thing, and I think this goes both ways, when a relationship is over, at this point, your investment in that person is significantly reduced. So you don't want to try to facilitate the other person's personal growth at this point. And I've seen this happen a lot. When someone is breaking up with someone, they want to be able to give them some tips on how to do better in their life (laughs) moving forward. (laughs) And uh, the typical response to that is, what guys? Like fuck you, yeah, I was right? Say, Go fuck yourself. <laughs> tell me you're ending things with me. Don't try to tell me how to live my life moving forward. So those are kind of the things that I advise. And this is all just beforehand. Like think this through beforehand. Get clear on what you want to say. And here's some things not to say. And then you want to just set the container for the conversation. You want to let them know that you want to talk to them. You want to get their consent. You want to find a good time. And I mean, I don't think it's some people you know, would quibble with this. I don't think it's a terrible idea to say that I need to have a serious conversation about this relationship. They might stew in their anxiety before it happens. And they might demand that that it happens right away. And I think it's okay in this case to slow down again and even let someone stew in their anxiety for a minute while you wait for the good time, because you get one shot, I think. To, for it to be good. you'll, you'll prob- you could potentially have subsequent conversations, especially depending on how in- entangled the relationship is. You might have to have subsequent conversations about how do we handle this aspect of our breakup, how do we handle that aspect of our breakup. But you know it's okay to give them a heads up, but that you'd want to have a conversation about it. But you do also want to honor their time. and this is where I think it's important. if it's like a long distance relationship and you know don't invite them to fly out to visit you to break up with them. Cause I feel like that's pretty disrespectful of their time. If you have a relationship with somebody that you see like once a month, but you text message each other a lot, I think it's okay to break up over text because if you only see them very rarely, but then like you are taking up that chunk of time that you have that they could be spending doing something else just to break up with them. That might not be kind.
2: They're so excited to see you for that one, that one weekend a month. And then you're like, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) The
0: goal here again is to be kind and be respectful. And so, yeah, (laughs) but you know, if you have a long-term deep invested partnership with somebody and you see them regularly, again, you want to honor their time in a different way, which is honor the time that they've invested in you by giving them a good long chunk of time to discuss this together. Cause that's honoring it as well. And then just be real clear, be as clear as you can about what's happening and that at the end of the conversation that the relationship is over and that's not negotiable.
2: Right. Yeah. Not like, oh, if, if I do this, this, and this, what do you think? Can we still make it work? Right. Those types of things. Yeah. Don't leave them a
0: window and don't, and don't use a breakup conversation to try to control somebody and get them to do what you want. That's really not cool. Like threatening the end of the relationship, but then, but if you do this thing, then maybe, maybe that's awful. Like just be clear. Don't leave it hanging. Let someone move on. Explain the reasons that you mapped out. Again, we talked about that earlier. Just figure out what you do want to say. Don't say what you don't want to say. Don't let the person pressure you into saying more. Just say the things that you know will be kind and practice them if you need to. And then this is actually the most important step is the negotiating the aftermath. This is where I think is the place where people mess up the most because they don't talk about what happens afterwards. They just think they'll figure it out. (laughs) So a lot of times you have the conversation, you're broken up, and then you don't talk about what happens afterwards. And then all kinds of shit happens. The worst part about a breakup isn't actually the part where you break up. It's the month, three months, six months, year afterwards. Right. And we've already talked about some of the things that happen there. Like... Things go through the gossip mill, people take sides, you have these awkward moments where you run into each other at the same event and you didn't discuss what was going to happen or how you were going to interact, so then you don't know what to do. You haven't divided up your sports teams that you're on together and decide who gets to go to what. You haven't decided how you're going to handle that play party that's coming up next week that you both were planning to go to and now which one of you gets to go. And so if you can negotiate that stuff ahead of time while you have that person in front of you and they're engaging in the conversation with you, it's so much better. Some things that I encourage to negotiate are, first of all, as I said, negotiate contact afterwards. And I encourage wherever you can, a long break of no contact. And some people have really pushed back at me when I say, look, don't text, don't email, don't call, don't see each other and don't interact on social media for 30 days. They're just like 30 days. That's so long. And I'm like, no, it's not. 30 days is nothing that goes by so fast. And the thing is you're physically, emotionally, mentally primed to respond in, in a particular way to this person at this time. So every time you get a text, your dopamine system is going to get activated. Every time you see them, you're physically going to have all the physical symptoms of being attach them, being in love with them, being attuned to them. And you need to have some time to work that physical stuff out of your body. And so it's sort of like, think about like you're going into a detox, you know, you really have to just get all of those chemicals and all of those responses and reactions that are kind of programmed into you out. And you can't do that without space. Sometimes 30 days is not enough. Sometimes you need 60 days. Sometimes you need a year. It really depends. And I think people are afraid to really take that space because they think it's punishing. They think it's withdrawal and they think, well, if I distance myself from them, then they're going to move on and they're not going to want to talk to me again. And they won't want to be my friend. And the thing is, if you're meant to be friends afterwards, you will be, you will be even I, I, I broke up with somebody and didn't talk to them for a year and then saw them again. And we picked up our friendship and it was fine. And we were able to do that because we had the space.
1: No, I think that makes a lot of sense. It goes against sometimes what you might want. Right. Like you, because you're hurting, you want to reach out to that person. You want to write those emails. You want to, and text send those messages. And I was reading through the information you sent before we started recording this, and you said it's okay to like write those emails that you want to write. Yes. But save them as drafts and don't ever send them. It's so
0: good to do that. (laughs) And and you can also save them as drafts and then send them a year later after you've connected again, you can, you know, you can read back over them. And if there's stuff you really needed to say to that person, you can say it later, but you don't need to say it right now. Right now you need to heal. And you know, it's sort of like a wound. You can't heal a wound. If you're constantly agitating it all the time, you have to slap a bandaid on it and leave it alone so that it can heal. And that's the same thing here. It just, you really got to take the space. I'm sorry. I like, I belabor this point, but it's so important. And the thing is, I think people are afraid that they're going to be forgotten about or that if they don't keep the attachment alive, then the person's just going to drift away forever. And if that's true, if you really had to keep poking them all the time to keep them remembering you and caring about you, then that, that's a sign that relationship needed to be let go of anyway, trust, faith, heal. (laughs) So, but also it's useful to negotiate while you're healing and grieving to prevent that gossip mill, because sometimes even if you're not in contact with somebody, you could hear something about your part, your ex-partner that could really hurt you, or you could heal something about what they're saying about you or what have you. So you also want to negotiate the story you want to tell to your friends, your mutual friends, so that you're not doing this thing called grave dressing, which is you telling your version of the story, <laughs> which paints the other person in a really unflattering light. The thing is that harms you. And it also, like I said, it harms the other person substantially. It can harm their friendships and their relationships. And it just can be really harmful to trust in the community in general. So the more you can create a story together that you mutually agree on and that you know, okay, I know what my partner's going to tell, what the story that they're going to tell, and they know what the story I'm going to tell is. So now we don't have to like worry that we're going to try to hurt each other through other people after the fact and another piece of that in the aftermath Mm -hmm. like that you can do with your friends is ask not to hear about your partner for those 30 days right like because you don't want to hear about what they're doing if you saw them you know screwing someone at a play party you know you don't want to know who that is like just but but don't expect your friends to automatically know what you want and don't want again explicitly tell them i don't want to hear about so and so so that's another thing i encourage And then it can be useful to also agree on who's going to tell who, you know, especially for intimate people. Like if you have a metamor that you're both close to, one of you is dating that person, the other person's close friends with them. You might want to decide who's going to tell that person. If you have close mutual friends, who's going to tell those people. And also if there are people who are closer to the situation who might not get sort of the the PR release version, they might get a more intimate version because they've seen more of what's been going on. You again might want to agree on what that message is so that, you know, it's useful also to have people who are identified to each other, who are the people that you're going to say all your shit to have a, have like a designated, this is my confidant. This is on team Libby. It's not on team anybody else. They're not on both of our teams. This is not a neutral party. And I'm going to tell them all of my stuff that I'm not going to tell anybody else. This is the person who I'm going to say, I wish that person would die in a fire. This is the person that I'm going to say, you know, man, it was just torturous being with that person. I mean, like whatever it might be that you're going to say. Have right.
1: a, that safe person, I guess that you can confide in and, but not do that to everybody.
0: Right. And you want to know who that person is so that when you're at a party and you see that person and they're giving you a look, you know, oh yeah, that's the, that's, that's why because that's that person that's my ex has been processing with. And I'm just going to give that person a lot of space too. you know?
2: Yeah. It's good for both people. Like you said, for both people that know who that person is. Exactly. And that, right. Yeah. Right.
0: And it's very important to your point, Emma, that it's not everybody (laughs) you get. I would say you get max like three people, but if you're going around processing with anybody who will listen, that's, that's really not fair to your partner or your ex partner. It's really not fair to them.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: To the next point, discuss how you're going to share space if you have a shared community. So negotiate which parties you're going to go to. One of the things that I worked out with my um, one of my partners, ex-partners was I said, okay, you're a little less outgoing and social than I am. So if you RSVP to an event and I see that you've RSVP'd, I just won't go. And like I just made that agreement with him. And I was like, wherever you want to go, I'll let your, pri- your your choice prioritize, take priority over me because I, you know, he was just a lot less social. So I wanted him to have the social spaces that he wanted. Right. And I think that's really important because I've seen people sort of one partner or the other partner sort of race to the RSVP to RSVP first. And then the other partner just feels like they can't go to any social events.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So when I would imagine too, you can also negotiate the statute of limitations on that, right? Like you don't have to do that for seven years, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's for the first year. That's what you do. Or the first six months, right? And then have that conversation with them and be like, hey, would you be okay if we both showed up at this thing? You know, that type of conversation.
0: Yeah. I would say mostly you're negotiating that just for that time of no contact when you're not going to be discussing it and negotiating it. And then, yeah, you can definitely revisit it and see how it would feel to interact after you feel like you can be around each other, which goes to I think that it's useful to have a plan for how you're going to reinitiate contact after you've been out of contact decide, are you going to email each other? Who's going to do the emailing and then leave space for the possibility that after whatever set amount of time you've agreed to be not in contact that you can say, I still need more time. That needs to be okay. Yep. You know, it's not like, Oh, we've checked off the box of 30 days. Now we have to go and be at the same parties again. And now we have to be on each other's social media and all that stuff. It's like, you get to say what feels right for you. Social media, by the way, I can't say this enough. <laughs> which is really don't, uh, at the very least, unfollow each other, if not block each other. People sometimes take up being blocked on social media as like the ultimate like shunning. And I think you can block someone for your own mental health and well-being or for the other person's mental health and well-being just to not have to see you and interact with you. It can be a protective thing, not necessarily an attacking thing.
1: And it can change in the future too.
0: Yes. It's not a forever thing. Exactly. None of these things are forever things, but in the time that you need to heal, I think it's just really important to have space and social media can be such a mind fuck sometimes, right? Like you see pictures of someone having so much fun and there, or you see evidence that they got invited to something you didn't even get invited to or whatever. And it's just so much better to shut that off.
2: Well, or the, the ultimate, which would be you break up and then two days later, Facebook wants to make an album of your memories from the last seven years. Like, remember the time you guys did this, this, and this, and you're like, fuck.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And unfortunately, like Facebook will actually, if you say, if you tell Facebook you're in a relationship with somebody and then you tell Facebook you broke up, which you can do if you're monogamous, right? You can say, you can change your relationship status. Facebook actually won't do that to you but that doesn't work when you're non-monogamous because you you can't declare you're in a relationship. I don't think with like five people and then tell Facebook that you're broken up with them. And also I'm not sure that you should give Facebook that information. Right. 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 Yeah. But yeah. So I'm a fan of the block. I'm at least a fan of the unfollow. And you know, if you're in Facebook discussion groups together or um, that kind of thing, it can be useful for one of you to take a break from one of those and just say, I need to not be in this place. And, and again, it's can be useful to have places that belong to you. Mm-hmm. And so I encourage you to also ask your friends who, if they're, if, if the, the social hub type people who are doing a lot of the inviting and organizing activities to say, Hey, can I have an invitation to something where I don't have to negotiate it with my ex yeah. so I can just be in an, at an event and not worry about having to run into them and vice versa. Like hopefully you're being generous with each other in these situations and you can trade off and share. But I think it's really good to have spaces that belong to you or that feel safe to you. So that's the negotiating part. That's really all I've got on the negotiating part. The thing that, that then you can do, which I think is really cool. And I also have to credit my friend for giving me this idea, but I've done it. And it's amazing is you honor the relationship. You can thank each other for the time you've had together appreciate each other for the things that you were to each other grieve together. If that feels like something that would feel good, you know, like cry with each other about how this isn't working and how sad you are, like acknowledge that with each other, talk about happy memories you had, you can burn stuff together. Like you can make a, <laughs> like a, a, you know, a little ritual burning. That's something you could do together. You can return each other's stuff and, and thank them for the, the things that, that you gave each other that you, that you had together. You can talk about what you'll miss, talk about hopes that you had that your are sad will never come to be, and then talk about what you've learned and how much this relationship impacted you. I think that's really powerful to, again, create this sense of meaning. Then it doesn't feel pointless. It doesn't feel just heartbreaking. It feels like it had a purpose. It gave you something valuable and you'll always know, like I'll always know that I taught such and such this thing and, or I introduced them to this musical artist and, and that's something that will always be a part of them. And therefore I'll always be a part of them. Even if this relationship isn't part of them anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah.
1: Like if you went to a concert together, every time you hear that music, it might trigger that memory of that person, but that's a really wonderful memory. So that's a it good thing. Be.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the goal I think yeah. there is to just, instead of, you know, being angry, have a moment of like, just standing at the graveside of your relationship and, and have a little wake for it, you know? And then if you want to, you can talk about like what you might like in the future, you know, what might be possible with a, with a detachment from outcome. So you can say, I don't see us being friends. And if that, if that's something you feel, then be clear about it. Or, you know, I could see us being friends, but after a long break, you don't want to dangle hope at people though. Cause that's not really, that's really not cool. And that's another reason for the no contact, because I feel like I've seen this a lot with people who, again, they want to be liked. They want to maintain this friendship, even though they're the ones that broke up with somebody, but every message that the person that, that they broke up with gets is sort of like dangling hope at them. And so you don't want to do that. You, you want to make the opportunity to heal. And then you want to end the conversation, you know, at some point you want to end it and really end it. And I really don't recommend things like breakup sex or breakup kissing or breakup sleeping over. I don't recommend those things. Feel free to do them if they work for you, but I do
2: them with somebody else.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If you have other partners, have breakup sex with them and don't check in on each other and caretake afterwards. Don't be like, Oh, are you okay? Right? No, you're done. It's not your job to caretake with them anymore. It's not your job to check on them. And if they're not okay, what are you going to do? Right. You can't make it better. Right. And, And then take care of yourself you know, take care of yourself, reach out to the people you need to reach out to do things that bring you joy, do things that are indulgent, you know, eat a pint of Ben and Jerry's and feel no shame about it. Take a bath with cucumbers on your eyes, but take care of yourself. And some of that is get sleep, eat good food too, and get healthy touch from people who love you process as you need to. And, you know, you don't want to wear people out. (laughs) So you want to make sure you get consent to process things with the people that are your support people, but do, do get that, you know, that's important. Um, I have more stuff in the transition book about like some kind of specifics, like if you live together, how to handle that. If you have financial enmeshment, some things to think about if you're legally married, again, I'm not a lawyer. So mostly what I say is get a lawyer. (laughs) Um, And then just some general like tips around children, because as we pointed out, children are sort of innocent bystanders that can really get wrapped up in this. And yeah, and then I also just have some quick tips around if you're not the person breaking up, but you are in proximity of those folks, some things you can do.
2: Yeah, and that was something I was gonna ask about. Yeah. And and maybe this is a whole different topic that is way too long to go into, but being <laughs> being the the partner who's supporting somebody who's going through a breakup, right? So that can be a really precarious place to be yes. where you or know.
1: even a close friend with well, someone, who's, right? But, but if yeah. you
2: but if I'm in love with you and we're married, and you break up with a boyfriend, and now you're crushed for weeks and weeks and weeks, and I'm like. Hey, well, I'm still right. here. Like it, you, it yeah, can really yeah. start to make you feel like, do I mean nothing if you're this broke up over somebody else and you have me? Right. So uh, there's a whole host of feelings that can come back up.
0: Yeah. That's true.
2: When you're that person. So I think that maybe is a, a probably a much longer conversation than we want to launch into, but it's, it is something to maybe think about. And as we part ways of like, that's a that's a tough place to be. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I have one thought about that, which is, you know, if someone you love died or someone you love moved away or got sick or anything like that, you know, and, and let's not even pretend it's a romantic partner. Let's pretend it's a, you know, a parent or a sibling or a close friend and you lost that relationship. It's reasonable for grief to overtake you. Mm-hmm. And you're not necessarily consoled by having, like, if your mom dies, you're not necessarily consoled by the fact that you still have your dad, <laughs> you know, you want your mom, you're not necessarily consoled. If your one of your friends stops being your friend, just because you have five other friends, that friendship meant a lot to you. Right. So if I was the partner of someone who's going through a terrible breakup, it's just hold space for their grief. And I, I that's hard. There's that ring theory of um, support around grief. Have you heard of that? No. This idea that if you're in the center of the ring, you're the person who's going through the difficult thing. So if you're going through the breakup, then you're the person who's going through the breakup and you're grieving, then there are rings of support out of it. And if you're the partner of someone who's going through that, then they are going to dump out to you. And if you're feeling pain about their pain, you don't put it on them. You bring that out a level. Else. You bring that out to your friends or your your you know, your circle. <laughs> and then they dump out, you know, it's a dumping out and then putting support in yeah. because you can get worn out. Absolutely. You can get worn out hearing about your partner's grief and being loving and supportive and holding space. And you might want attention and care and you might not be getting it because they're too, you know, distraught, it, you know, but I think that the, if you push it, to my way earlier point, if you push yourself to get over it and if your partner's pushing you to get over it, that actually makes it have a tighter hold on you, right? That's just how feelings work. I I think that it sucks, but like if you stuff them or wrangle them, they just sort of get a tighter grip on you. And so the more you can breathe and let them flow through you and acknowledge them and name them and hold space for them and have conversations with them. The better, uh, the, the more, the easier it is to heal. Right. So that would be my advice there. And just in in general, like community members, take care of yourselves, dump out, not in set limits, you know, and as a partner, you can set limits too. Like you can say, okay, I'm willing to process this with you. Okay. Now I'm tired. I I need a break. I can't keep processing this breakup with you right now. It's kind of wearing me out and I don't want to get resentful. I don't want to get irritated. I don't want to get angry. So I'm going to need a break. You get to have that. You don't have to be endlessly willing to have 5,000 conversations about something, but don't put it on your partner to not want to, right. You know, you set the limit let your partner feel whatever they feel. And if they need to go find someone else, they can go find someone else. Yeah,
2: for sure. For sure.
0: Awesome. So,
1: yeah. Well, in the interest of time and not taking up yeah. your whole day, <laughs> <laughs> I could talk about do this you have any We're other breaking
2: up with you Libby. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> it's okay. Thank you for telling me.
1: Do you have any like, final thoughts or anything you'd like to share before we wrap up?
0: I mean, the, the main key points I want people to take away are think a lot more about this before you do it. Slow down, listen to your feelings and take a long break to heal, uh, and, and allow that, allow that healing to happen and have compassion for yourself
2: right? because that's,
0: and compassion for your ex. I mean, just compassion all around, but I think first it starts with compassion for yourself.
2: And we'll put links, like you said, to the worksheets and everything that you've got. So people can get a little bit more information if they want to review some of this, they can. And and they want to see it in writing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and all of your contact information too, if people need some additional help, they can reach out to you and, and work out negotiate how that's going to look, you know, right to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: It's one of, one of the things that I do mostly I try to help people save their relationships, but (laughs) yeah, yeah. (laughs) but I also, I also do help people and I have helped people transition Their relationships and help them negotiate through that for sure. One of the things.
2: So one one final question I had was: when you are shopping for ice cream at the end of these relationships, what what do you specifically buy?
1: (laughs) Me personally, you're asking for her to pick one ice
2: cream flavor and brand.
0: Oh well, that's easy. So I'm lactose intolerant, and I really love Luna and Larry's uh, Coconut Bliss ice cream Ooh. in mint galactica flavor. Ooh. it's like a mint chocolate chip, but it's made with coconut milk. If I happened to be in Boston, I would go to FOMU. If you've never been there, it's amazing balls. It's non dairy vegan ice cream made with coconut milk, but it just it's amazing
2: balls. I Those think somebody contours. recommended that to us when we were out there. I
1: think so too, and we didn't get a chance to go. But next time. <laughs>
2: We'll have to break up just so we can go separately.
1: We can go together too. Okay, we can do that too. Wow, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little worried about you guys. I know. <laughs>
2: it's, all, it's all because we love ice cream.
1: <laughs> but we have a mutual love of ice cream, just that's different a, flavors. That's a good
2: point. We'll have to bond over something. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, thank you again, Libby, for all your time and advice, and we appreciate it, and we are excited to get this out there and, and hopefully help some people. And Sure. And For your podcast, and so we're excited for everything, yeah.
1: Y'all are so excited,
2: we are, <laughs> and I, so this is,
1: excited.
2: and this is my excited voice.
1: I know, I was like, really exuding excitement there.
0: <laughs> no, but thank you guys for having me on, and thanks for uh letting me share this. I'm sort of a, an evangelist for compassionate breakups, yeah.
2: So. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's super important, it's it's awesome, and thank you again. And uh, well, oh, what, oh. I wanna,
0: can I add one last thing though? As no,
2: I'm this sorry, is, this
0: is something that. Oh no, I can't. (laughs) Um, Well, so one of my pals, Jesse Griesen, actually had this really cool idea that um, she and I both have a breakup class that we teach, and her idea, which I actually am going to continue, I'm going to incorporate into my uh, breakup class, which is that you can actually negotiate this at the beginning of a relationship. I know that sounds pretty wild, but you can actually say, when we are realizing that this isn't going to work anymore, here's our exit strategy, and here's how we're going to handle it, and. The thing is, that's really a great idea because a lot of times when you're when things are on the rocks and you're getting ready to end things relation, you know, the emotions are already running high. Right. Uh, so if you are able to talk about this while you're feeling good mm-hmm. and have a plan for it, this might end. And what would it look like if it did And How do we want to take care of each other and how do we want to move through it? So yeah. that's another piece yeah. that you can you can do too. So you can talk about this ahead of
1: time. Kind of like having that continual conversation of checking in with on your relationship too. Yes. Yeah. No, I think that's great advice.
0: Okay. I like but it. But that's all that's that's my last thing. Um but yeah.
2: <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> and you tell them what type of ice cream you want so then when they come to do the breakup they bring the ice cream with them. Well,
0: I don't know. That could be a trigger though, right? You see that ice cream in their freezer and you're like, "Oh shit."
2: <laughs> yeah. all right that's never true. mind no, never I mind i don't know if
0: that's a good <laughs> <laughs> i can
1: only eat ice anyway. cream now when it's the end
2: right such a minefield <laughs> it'll change
1: your favorite ice cream because if you only eat it when you get broken up with you're not gonna like it very much yeah why do you hate
2: ice cream <laughs> so
0: much finn why do you want to destroy our love of ice cream <laughs>
2: I love ice cream so much that I...
1: We do have a little bit of a
2: addiction. addiction. <laughs> and we're both lactose intolerant, but we just eat the I, shit anyways. So I try we to... Just, we just do it. And, and then, then deal I, with it. No. And then we sit outside for a while.
1: <laughs> I, I also really like the almond milk or the coconut milk or the sorbet. There's a lot of different types. so
2: A whole episode about ice cream. <laughs> That will be next week.
1: And breakups. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. And breakups. Thank you, you so again. Much.
2: And we'll we'll do the fake goodbye here and end it there. And end it there. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> and we're back. Emma's busy laughing. So because
1: Finn was just singing,
2: and then he not. deleted
1: it because he didn't want it out there.
2: Correcto mundo. <laughs> So we're back. Thank you, Libby, for sharing everything you shared with us. And thank you to all the listeners who listened to all the tips and tricks, even though Emma gave away the cart with before the milk. No. How does that go? No, I
1: didn't give away anything. Give gave away
2: the cow with the farm?
1: I don't know the sayings. Clearly. <laughs> you, you clearly don't know it either.
2: <laughs> put the cart... Uh, no, it's heart, put
1: cart. the horse before the cart, right? No, well, cart no. before the horse. The
2: horse always Damn goes it. before the cart. <laughs> I
1: almost had it.
2: Unless the horse is backing the cart up.
1: Okay, put the cart before the horse.
2: All right. Hey, you you. I
1: got it right faster than you did. Thank you,
2: (laughs) Libby, for putting up with this nonsense and for all of your wisdom and your show. Again, her show is called Making Polly Amory Work. Check it out. Support her. She's doing great work. Also, what do we got next week? We've got episode 10, the finale, grand finale. I
1: know, the final episode in this season one of our Focus Fridays. We will be talking again to Catherine, who was in episode two of Focus Fridays. We're going to be talking about bringing up non-monogamy to your partner and tips and tricks to do that. We actually had some people call in, some listeners call in and leave us voicemails. And we had a few emails as well. So we talked through those voicemails and emails and stay tuned. Come back and listen next Friday.